Hello and welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep. We're Mary Pat Campbell. And today I'm going to be talking about this paper. Uh, study finds pension obligation bonds could worsen T retirement funds financial woes. This is a press release from the Pioneer Institute Public Policy Research. And it's by E.J. McMahon, who actually I'm more familiar with from the Empire Center from New York, a similar institute from New York talking about public finance. So this is a Massachusetts public finance related institute and well, okay, public policy. And this has to do with pension obligation bonds. Uh, so a little bit of disclosure, I helped uh, EJ with a little bit of this with regards to doing some alternative valuations of the pension liability at different interest rates, different discount rates of the pension. And I've done this before for a variety of people. And, you know, there's a closing window on this, not because I'll stop doing it, but because I won't be needed anymore to give these alternative valuations. There are ways you can do some estimates and there's multiple approaches to this. Um, because of the nature of the pension liabilities, it's not going to be quote the exact number. There's a lot of assumptions that go into these valuations. But the reason it won't be is because there's usually a very large difference between the interest rate that's being used for the valuation. It's usually around seven to eight percent and the alternative discount rate they want to use, which is something like three percent or four percent. And these are not linear functions to change from one to the other. And I'm usually using a quadratic uh, on the the percentage change. Anyway, that's getting too nerdy for right now. The reason I've been waiting, well, part of it is that I, other things have distracted me, um, middle age stuff, but uh, I really need to do this now before the Federal Reserve increases the Fed funds rate a full percentage point and really just obliterates uh, our worry over pension obligation bonds for this year. And that's kind of what is happening to me with a lot of my worries over public finance. And let me tell you, public finance is going to get really, really bad. But a lot of the tricky fixes that I often see are just going to be untenable with a high interest rate environment. You're not going to be seeing pension obligation bonds when the municipal bond rate is too high to make any sense because again the concept is you issue a bond at municipal rates and that usually was a relatively low rate say a three percent or a four percent bond and your pension liabilities are valued at say seven percent or eight percent because you're saying you are valuing it at the returns you're assuming your pension assets will get you. Of course, those pension assets have become more and more volatile. And so there are pressures on public pensions. I will link, so in the Substack post that this recording is attached to, I will link to the press release and I'll read a little from the press release and I will link to their PDF report but some of the wonkery of all the numbers that we calculate basically become irrelevant once the interest rates get to be too high. 
and once their asset value drops too low. Because the funded ratio for this particular pension plan has been decreasing over the years. So evidently back in the early 2000s, it was over fully funded. It was over 100% funded using the assumptions they had. And when they do these valuations, so the assets generally, the valuation of the assets are usually based on market values of say the equities and the bonds. So that's pretty concrete. You could go out and sell those bonds or sell those uh, stocks at those prices. So that's pretty clear. But if you go out in the market, you can't sell those liabilities, not public pension liabilities at any rate. And then you're trying to measure this uh, funded ratio, which is how much of your promises are covered by the assets you have. Essentially, there's some, you know, little fiddly bits the nerds will, I mean, and I'm one of those nerds, will argue over. Um, the Boston MBTA's uh, pension plan has a funded ratio currently about 54%, though with the current drop in the equity markets, I'm sure the next time they have a report, it'll be below 50% funded. I'm That's just going to be my assumption because of the asset drop, not because of what the liabilities did. So I'm just looking here back in 2001, fiscal year 2001, it seems that the funded ratio was close to 120%. I'm just looking at the report. And then it crossed over to below 100% funded in 2002. There was a recession, you know, a lot of people may not remember the recession 20 years ago, but there was a recession uh, 20 years ago. And for the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay uh, Transit Authority, or Transportation Authority, one of the two, um, the funded ratio for this pension plan has basically been mainly decreasing. Uh, it did recover in 2003, but it's mainly been decreasing since that high point of 2001. I mean, it's definitely never gotten above 100% uh, since 2001. And it's dipped below, yeah, I'm not going to say 80%. It dipped below 60% in, it looks like, either 2016 or 2017. And as I said, I'm thinking it's going to dip below 50% for the 20. Let's see, the 2021 measurement or the 2022, depending on the timing of the measurement. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the issue is that, um, you're right, uh, I'm sorry, the 2022 measurement. The issue is that pension obligation bonds only, quote, work because there's a kind of fake arbitrage going on between the interest rate or the you know the interest rate that you can issue the bonds at and the interest rate you're allowed <laughs> allowed uh, to value the pensions at and and you're assuming that these very volatile assets that are backing these not very volatile liabilities um, <laughs> are you know, think about this. You're acting as if these very volatile assets are guaranteed to yield you 7%. And the argument has been, well, in the long run, well, yeah, in the long run, we're all dead. Okay, no, that's that's actually irrelevant. Well, well, maybe it is relevant. But um, the 7%, 
this is where the financial economics argument starts to come in. Um, when you are discounting at something other than the risk-free rate, and then from my own experience over the last 15 years, since learning financial economics and risk-free valuation and all of that, I have come to realize there's in real life, while risk-free rates are a nice theory, it's a tool, it's an abstraction, it's this platonic ideal. There is no such thing as risk-free when human beings exist the way they behave. That said, you know, there's a lot less volatility in how government bonds you know, behave compared to how equities behave. You have cash flows you need to support with your pensions. Um, so this is the issue. You have a pension obligation bond. That's its own liability. And it has cash flows that you're supposed to support. You're bringing in cash. You're going to invest it in what? You're going to invest it in more volatile assets that are supposed to provide you with higher returns to support what? These cash flows that are going out, these pension benefits that again are supposed to be steady. Uh, volatile assets that are supporting steady cash flows. It can be done, but you have to think about the risks and liquidity risks are real. There's all sorts of risks and people are learning this again. Uh, the interest rate environment we're seeing ourselves in now, the inflation risk environment we're seeing ourselves in now, and inflation risk, of course, if you have cost of living adjustments on pension benefits, then those will factor in in the cash flows that you have to support in the pension plan. And this is whether it's a public pension or a private pension, though in general, private pensions don't have automatic cost of living adjustments to their benefits. And a lot of public pension plans do. Um, so these are things that are from a holistic risk management perspective, asset liability management perspective. You can't simply think in terms of theory. Um, when I first learned about, it was derivatives pricing, obviously. So you learn about options pricing of puts and calls and the Black-Scholes uh, equation and all of that jazz. I was at Courant Institute at NYU, and I'm in the math department, which means, of course, I know probability theory, real analysis. <laughs> I've got all the delta epsilon proofs out the wazoo. I can do stochastic differential equations. I can derive all of these things from first principles. When I hear people talk from the business school, and we had people from the business school taking the classes with us for options pricing and that kind of thing. We were using the first edition of John Hull's textbook on options and derivatives, etc. Um, that no, they did not know the math. It didn't matter though. You need to think about this. I was taking these classes when the long-term capital management fiasco occurred because you have your ideal model and the formulas capture some of the risks that are in there, but 
the way LTCM was managed ignored liquidity risks. And that is what, of course, bit them on the butt. Um, so let's go back to the pension uh, issue. You have volatile assets. Now, let's be serious. People who do asset management in the cash uh, management for public pensions, most of them are professionals and do know what they're doing and know, you know, to keep a certain amount in cash to pay those benefits that are going out and know how to manage that. Most of these, even with low funded ratios, are not in what I call an asset death spiral. An asset death spiral is where you're having to liquidate assets to pay cash to pay the benefits going out, and you don't have enough assets that are going to accumulate to pay future benefits. Um, and the therefore the funded ratio just keeps going down and down and down. And that's a situation where you're wanting an infusion of cash so that you are not having to cash out assets before you can get a rebound in their value and you're having to sell at the bottom of the market. Okay, that's an asset death spiral. And there may be some funds that are in asset death spirals. Now, what's interesting about the MBTA, if you look at their history of contributions, supposedly most years they were making full contributions, what they were being told that they have to make to the plan. Now, there were some years where they had shortfalls, but they have been making these contributions and these contributions have been increasing fairly rapidly on how much they have to contribute. Now, this is not unique to the MBTA, by the way, but when you're so underfunded, this is what happens. The, there are issues fundamentally with having a discount rate, and it's not just the discount rate that is causing this escalation of the actuarial determined contribution amounts. Uh, there are other assumptions that may be leading to this decreasing funded ratio with increasing contributions, and everything seems to be in shortfall. If all the assumptions were being met, if the discount rate, and so for MBTA, it's 7.25%, if you were really getting that kind of return on your assets, and you're doing it on assets that aren't there, I want you to think about that, um, then you shouldn't be having, you shouldn't be having a funded ratio that's going down. You should at least be having it going up. Part of this is how they amortize the unfunded ratio, I mean, sort of the unfunded liability, that you can end up with negative amortization of the unfunded liability because you're assuming there will be a growing payroll and that you will pay for it in the future. That may be part of their problem. I don't know. In any case, uh, EJ did some uh, alternative valuations of this plan at different discount rates. So you started out with a 7.25% um, using the end of year 2020 funded ratio, which was about 58%. 
And when you bring it down to 6.25%, that is actually in the actuarial report. Um, they have to do plus and minus one percentage point on the discount rate. So the 6.25 is at 52.6% funded ratio, so about 53%. And then dropping it down to different discount rates, if you do it all the way down to 3%, then you have a funded ratio of about 38%. That's pretty low. And that's problematic. But I think this is all going to be academic. Uh, in next year, 2023, ASOP, that's Actuarial Standard of Practice number four, has an update that is going to go into effect, in which case me or EJ or other people I've done this for will no longer have to use my approach or uh, other people's approaches for doing these alternative valuations because the actuaries will be required as part of the report to do this kind of risk-free valuation. Now they may be coming up with various explanations for these different numbers that they come up with uh, with regards to this quote risk-free valuation. Um, I don't care about that but I won't have to make these estimates uh, and calculations which don't quite work anyway because of the uh, discount rates being so far away. 3% is so far away from 7.25%. You may think it's not, but it really is. These are not, these don't behave well. These are not really functions that really behave well. I would like to see the quote official valuation. So that's number one. And then the really, really number two reason is the practical reason. The practical reason is that if interest rates, if municipal interest rates really go up, no one is going to be issuing pension obligation bonds because it won't make any sense to have pension obligation bonds if the interest rates are too close to these discount rates. You can't even do a fake arbitrage. Then why are you doing it? Why are you doing pension obligation bonds? You could say, well, we're buying at the bottom of the market. It can only go up from here. Nah, it can go down some more. <laughs> Look at some history. Things can go down and they can stay down for quite some time. Um, anyway, you know, it does do well to learn financial history and know how things fail. Things... People got spoiled by a very long bull market. They need to know how things, and survivorship bias, they, people need to know how things can fail and do fail. You can't assume things can only go up, especially if you're making long-term promises. So, you know, know all the dimensions, know the practical aspects. So that's this week in Stump, Death, and Taxes. Um, Maybe I'll, I'll be getting back into death and we won't have to worry about interest rates next time. Um, <laughs> that'll be happier. No, sorry. Nothing happy right now. <sighs> anyway, enjoy. Enjoy.